Welcome home, everybody. New Heights Church on a Sunday morning. Bump your neighbor and say we're about to talk about fishing. Bump your other neighbor and say you were my second choice bump. (laughs) Open your Bible to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would let your people hear your voice today and not mine. Amen and amen. We've been focused on the idea of fishing, which is a very easy thing for me to talk about. So if I preach for three or four hours, feel free to leave about halfway through. But I can talk about fishing because I love fishing. I can talk about fishing because I've been passionate about fishing for a very long time. And when I was preparing these messages, I didn't even realize how passionate about fishing I am. I probably have hundreds of fishing stories, more I've forgotten than I remember. But the reality is, is when Jesus met Simon Peter on the boat, right after he borrowed his boat, he did not convince him to follow him by telling him, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to open the windows of heaven, I'm going to open blinded eyes, I'm going to teach you how to walk on water. I'm going to raise a little girl from the dead. I myself am going to raise some dead. He did not convince Peter to follow him with any of those statutes. He simply said, follow me and I will teach you how to catch people. Follow me and I will make you a fisher of men if you're in King James. He says, follow after me and this is what I'm going to do. And then uh, Peter, the Bible says, put down his net and followed him. And that's what you and me have to do. We have to put down what we are doing and follow after Jesus. Now, interestingly enough, Peter still fished later. So it wasn't like Jesus was saying, only do this all day long. No, 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 no. He later says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Which is to say, you can still do the fishing. You can still do the other stuff. But the first thing you need to do, Simon, is you need to follow me. You need to become a fisher of men. And here's what I'll do. So for three and a half years, Jesus taught Peter and the disciples how to fish. For three and a half years, Jesus taught the disciples how to catch people. He taught them in every different area. He taught them in small groups. He taught them in single uh, events. He taught them in great big events and uh, one-on-one sessions. One time, he was approached by a guy named Nicodemus who was a very affluent person, had a lot of influence and money and different things, and he had to meet with him in the middle of the night, which is to say, listen, you don't deal with everybody the same way. Some people, you got to talk to them a little bit different in order to get the point across, in order to get them where they understand. Uh, Another lady uh, didn't have hardly anything, just a couple of pennies to her name. And Jesus said, this is how you deal with this. You need to encourage somebody that doesn't feel like they have enough. In other situations, he said, when you're sitting in somebody's house, here's how you talk to them. Then on other situations, he would be preaching to thousands of people and he would say, now listen, the message is not changing one bit, but when you got 5,000 people staring at you, you better have some logistics. I went to a Hillsong uh, concert not too long ago. Uh, took the kids to it. It was a great time, whatever. Uh, Listen, if if you don't like uh, Christian concerts, uh, get over it because they're awesome. If you're going to go spend $100 on a movie... Go spend $100 to teach your kids, hey, we love God on Friday night too. We love God on Saturday night. We we worship God. It's our hobby. It's our pastime. It's our life. It doesn't stop when we walk out these doors. We love God. If you don't want to go to the concert, don't go to the concert. I love going to those big old concerts. So we get in there, and the first thing you notice is they've got about 800 speakers hanging in a row like this. They've got like seven different screens everywhere that they're going to project stuff on. 
They, they've, got, they've got food vendors. They've got, uh, so you can have a hot dog or whatever. Are y'all getting hungry? You'll have a hot dog, a chili dog, a barbecue sandwich chopped up real nice with barbecue sauce. Lock the door, y'all. They got it all set up. Logistics are important when you're going to have thousands of people. So Jesus taught them everything from one to thousands when it comes to how to catch people. If you missed that sermon, you can get it online. Go to our website. There's a podcast there. It's a great sermon. I pray it would bless you. But we pick up right now. If you've lived for God for any length of time, and if you haven't and you're still trying to feel out God, just bear with me for about 10 minutes because I'm going to talk to kind of family time. If you've lived for God for a long time, no doubt you have gone through seasons where you feel mundane. You feel like, what am I accomplishing? What am I not accomplishing? What's going right in my life? Why do I not feel like I'm getting things done? Why do I feel like I'm not accomplishing everything that I should accomplish? If you're a Christian and you've lived for God for any amount of time, there is a state of melancholy that you can fall into where you just don't feel like you're really doing what you're supposed to do. It's in those seasons and in those times that we have to take a real strong look at ourselves because God has not established you to just be self-focused, but on the contrary, the first thing He said to Peter is, the number one priority in my kingdom is that we catch people. Now, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. Because here's the situation. I have a custom-made life. The life of Brian Hallam, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty good. God has blessed us. I have a beautiful wife that I did not deserve. She loves me in spite of all my idiosyncrasies. She loves me in spite of the fact that sometimes at 12 o'clock at night, I will wake up and literally go frog hunting in the middle of the night. She loves me in spite of the fact that it is not uncommon for me to clean an animal uh, and eat the animal and clean the animal in the sink. Some of y'all that don't like hunting, this is not going to be a good sermon, I can just tell you. Some earplugs, brother, help us. She loves me in spite of the fact that it just makes sense to clean fish on the kitchen counter. You got all that room? She loves me in spite of all that. She loves me in spite of the fact that sometimes I come in and the kids are in bed and I go wake them up anyway. She loves me in spite of all that nonsense. My life is custom made for me. It's like I've got this little Brian Hallam box. And it's pretty good. I drive the pickup truck I want. It's a six-year-old Toyota Tundra with a grandpa camper on the back. And my wife says, you look like a grandpa. I said, I love it. She said, I don't know why you had that thing on the back. It it makes you look older than you are. I said, I can camp in it. Take the kids camping in it. It's got mosquito nets in it. Come on, somebody. Here's the number one rule of camping in the Hallam household. Must be less than 60 degrees. We do not camp when it's hot because I don't like to sleep sweaty. Come on, somebody. So we camp and we have a good time, but I have the truck that I want. In my truck, I have things that I want in my truck. I have the charger thingy that I want for the, it's the kind that I want. It's not a, I've thrown other ones away or given away. I like this one. I, I, I have custom everything. I, I, I have my own recliner, y'all. It's awesome. It took me 10 years to get it, but I've got it. 
When I got married, I, 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 I had this recliner because my, my grandfather, my mom's mom, my mom's dad went to heaven. And one of the things that was left over uh, was, a, that was a part of his box was, was, was this blue, baby blue cloth recliner that had his indention in it. You know what I'm talking about? Had a hole in the side of it. It was filthy. <laughs> Smelled like him. <laughs> But I loved it, so I took it to college with me. And how many of you know, uh, most of the time, that kind of a chair turns into your dinner table, turns into everything else. We probably have pizza in it somewhere. Chicken McNuggets down in there, you know. So when we got married, I thought, man, I'm bringing my recliner. Bring my recliner into the apartment. You know, the apartment was approximately this big. So the, the recliner fit, and man, I was just watching TV. Life was awesome. We're married. And I'm just thinking, man, this is incredible. I remember Saturday mornings, I'd get up, watch college game day. Oh, I love college football. Watch college game day. And, and, and I'd be sitting in my recliner about five years into marriage. Crystal goes, you know, I've never told you this, baby. Because if y'all know my wife, she's over in children's church right now. But if y'all knew my wife, she's like the sweetest human on the planet. Like she kills, poli- she kills flies and apologizes to them. She's like, I'm sorry about that. Get a little paper towel and throw it away. Except scorpions. Boy, she will kill a scorpion with vengeance. She goes, I just got to tell you, I hate your recliner. I said, baby, hate's a strong word now. Don't be bringing all that out on me. She goes, no, I just, I really hate it. And I'm like, okay. So now every time I sat in it, I felt her hatred for my chair. And I'm like, oh, man. And then finally... Uh, uh, about about that time, maybe a few weeks later, she goes, would you mind, I'll get you a nice chair, but would you mind if I replace your chair? And I thought, yeah, I kind of do mind. So I played the emotional card. I'm like, it's the last connection I got to my grandpa. I was joking. But she said, I don't care. I hate the chair. So I said, I tell you what, I said, yeah, I said, Get anything you want. So she goes down to the furniture store. She's just going to replace my chair. She calls me back. She goes, you wouldn't believe the deal they've got going. And I'm like, what? She goes, I can get a couch of this, of this, of this, of this. So she comes home with a whole room full of furniture. So not only do I lose my chair, I also lose the couch that I like to sleep on. So now we've got all this furniture. But the problem was the chair was not a recliner. The chair was one of those chairs with a real high sides and it had an ottoman. And and so my whole, for for seven years or five years, I'm trying to make that thing work and I'm sitting there and it's just not a recliner. And I wanted a recliner. And not too long ago, she says to me, she says, baby, if you want a new chair, just go get you a new chair I said put the kids in the car we're gone go down to the furniture store furniture row which is an awesome place if you've never been in there went in there and I got the recliner that I want it's leather it's got the little doohickey flick it and your your, your feet come up it's not double wide because I don't want nobody sitting with me you know what I'm saying it's like half wide so that Crystal can sit with me and the kids can sit with me but I don't want anybody looking at it and going is that a chair or is that a love seat? Because I don't want my dad coming and sitting by me, you know what I'm saying? Take up too much room, just weird. But I have the recliner that I want. My life is built the way I want it because I work on my life. But here's the interesting situation. You don't take your box with you. 
My chair, take that back, my chair's probably going to heaven. Y'all stuff is not going to heaven. Neither is my chair. Your box is not going to make it. And if you're struggling right now with the idea, well, I'm just trying to this. We spend our life trying to get closer to God. How do I hear from God? How do I touch God? How do I get more peace? How do I get more understanding? How do I get more this? How do I get more of His presence? And all that's wonderful. But if all you do is build your box, you won't have much in heaven. Moving on. Number two, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 13. You are salt of the earth. But if the salt lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? If it is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Salt is a very interesting thing. It's the primary spice of life when it comes to food. It's a staple. In America, it's salt and black pepper. It's not black pepper all over the world, but it is salt all over the world. It's the number one spice that somebody will use something for. Salt has very interesting qualities. It, it makes food better, but it also it makes you want the next bite, but it also will make you thirsty. Salt will cause you to want more of what you've got, but it will also cause you to be thirsty. And that's why Jesus said it this way. He said, you guys are designed, what I'm training you to do, what I'm positioning you to do, is to cause people to want a little bit more of what you've got and for them to thirst for the water of the Word in the process. Salt is a fine line though. I, I remember my grandfather, my dad's dad, we would be cooking and we cooked all the time and my parents had a nice lake house so we'd go out to that lake house and we'd catch fish off the dock and we'd fry them and when, when Papa got older, he would come over and we would, we would clean the fish and fry the fish and, and we would make uh, potatoes and fry those and just, man, I'm hungry now. But anyway, we would make all this stuff and, and we would just have a great time and sometime, one time I remember we were cooking uh, shrimp and chicken wings. I'm not talking about shrimp. I'm talking about jumbos, baby. I'm talking about two to three bite shrimp each. So they were big shrimp on the grill. And we're sitting there cooking them. And when we cook, we always take them. We're partaking as we go. You know what I'm talking about? By the time meal gets there, usually I'm kind of full. So I get to walk in and go, I don't think I'm going to eat that much, y'all. It's because I ate everything on the grill. So I'm sitting there. And me and dad are out there cooking. And we give Papa, we're like, here, have a bite of this chicken. He takes a bite of that chicken. It didn't matter what you gave him. Matter of fact, uh, his baby girl, my Aunt Nancy, and then her husband, Uncle R.C., are here. Thank you all for coming. But she, they'll, 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 they'll agree with this. It didn't matter what you gave him to take a bite of, whether it was pumpkin pie or shoe leather. He was going to go, hmm, that's good. And furthermore, it didn't matter what you offered him. If it was a bite of food, yes was the answer. Do you want a piece of pie? Yes. Do you want a piece of cake? Yes. Do you want some broccoli? Sure. He was just good with anything. So we give him this, this, this little bite of chicken and wham, he takes a bite and goes, mmm, that's good. He said, what's on that, Larry? That's my dad. What's on that, Larry? He said, secret sauce. The only thing on the chicken was salt. But we call salt secret sauce because it just works so good. But here's the problem with salt. Too much at one time ruins an opportunity. 
You and me have to get good at being Christian and being salt of the world and enticing people, but we also have to understand that if you dump the whole thing of salt on somebody at one time, all you did is ruin the meal. Now their chance of consuming what you have has to be later and it's got to be a completely new situation. So in your life and in my life, we have to understand that as salt, we have an opportunity to get people into the presence of God, have an opportunity to get people into the kingdom of God. We have an opportunity to get people born again, but you don't go dumping the whole thing at one time. Here's the recipe. Invest, invite, repeat. Invest in people. All the time, Jesus spent three and a half years investing into people, specifically 12 men, investing, 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 investing. And don't forget, Jesus lost one of the 12. So understand, along the way, you're going to lose one or two. Doesn't mean we're happy when we lose them. It just means you've got to understand you're in good company when somebody says, I'm just not going to walk that line with you anymore. Invest, 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 invite. Bring people to church. Bring people in the house of God. Let them experience what you just experienced before I started preaching. Let them experience the good news of the gospel. Invest, invite, repeat. How many of you here are parents? Wave at me. We teach what we know and we replicate who we are. We teach what we know And we reproduce what we are. The Bible promises you this, that you, if you're a believer, and your house will be saved. And that's a blessing. Your opportunity is to use your house to save others. We take the next generation and we determine whether or not they are going to do what they are called to do based off of what we replicate. Now, if you smoke cigarettes today, I'm not hard on you. You work that all out. I don't think it's a good idea because it causes cancer and all kind of problems. My my mom's dad had emphysema, so I'm very well versed on on the effects of tobacco in a home. Very well versed on it. I can speak on it clearly. But the situation is, in America, if you as a parent smoke cigarettes, your child is 50% twice. They are twice as likely to smoke cigarettes and be addicted themselves. It's the same thing in the kingdom. If the devil can have that kind of effect with something that kills you, with something that destroys your body, with something that potentially takes you out of the fight before you're supposed to be out of the fight, how much more so does our opportunity to teach our children how to live for God, how to go after the lost, how to fish for people, how much more does our opportunity in that area change their likelihood to become fishers of men themselves? We have opportunities to replicate who we are. Let's make sure we're replicating the right thing. We live in our box and we speak our language. And here's another thing. I'm not giving up my language. I like saying God bless you. I like saying praise the Lord. I like saying God's going to make a way. I like all the Christians speak. I love it and I'm not changing. But here's the scenario. When you go to Italy, you don't get mad at the person who's speaking Italian because they're speaking Italian. You've got to find a way to communicate with that person in a tongue, in a language that they understand. 
The reason the King James Bible was written in Old English is because Old English is what was spoken at that time. Now, I personally spend the bulk of my study time in the King James Bible because it's what I grew up uh, memorizing. I also think that it's a very good translation, not perfect, but I believe it's a very good translation uh, coming out of the Greek and the Hebrew. But that doesn't mean that I read the other, and it doesn't mean when I'm dealing with somebody personally that I speak to them and these thou's and begets. If I say to you, Jesus was killed on a cross, that's the exact same thing as saying he was crucified. It's just in a little different tongue. It's in a little different translation. If you remember uh, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, he had them written on stone. Uh, God had written them. It was actually the very first text message in humanity came from God. And, and Moses comes down the mountain and he's got these stones and he looks around and all the people are going crazy. They've all sinned against God. And Moses throws down the tablets of stone, boom, and breaks them, which is where you and me get the term break the law. He breaks them. And when the law was instituted into Israel, 3,000 people died that day. That's what happened under law. But then we fast forward, uh, we get to the day of Pentecost, which we hold to uh, very near and dear to our heart. It's when grace was instituted fully. It's when the clean vessels that were cleansed by the blood of Jesus now had the ability to withhold the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, had the, had the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit because now instead of being a filthy vessel, we are a clean vessel on the inside. Now the Holy Spirit can come on the inside of us. What happens in that moment, uh, the Bible says that as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place, that they spilled out onto the street and they all began to speak in other tongues, which is an interesting phenomenon. It's actually a gift of the Spirit, but the cool thing about it is everybody there heard in their own language, which is God saying, you got to speak the language of the person you're talking to if you want to be effective. And on that very day, contrary to what happened when the law was instituted, 3,000 people got born again when grace came about, all because they could hear the message. You and me, we got to get really good at being so committed to being effective for the kingdom of God and be effect, being effective at catching people that we will be willing to do anything short of sin and, shorting, uh, and short of twisting the gospel to get them born again. We've got to be willing to say and do what is necessary to get them into the kingdom of, into the kingdom of God. Four quick points, then we're done. Fishing requires strategy. It requires strategy. You know, all through life, this is, this is, a, this is a real nice piece of, uh, it's called a feed bucket. Comes from my house, we feed chickens with it. We feed goats with it. We feed Great Pyrenees dogs with it. I don't know if we've ever fed any kittens with it, but we have seven kittens if anybody would like a kitten after service. But fishing requires strategy. Some fish, they live on the bottom and, and they spend most of their time at the bottom. And this right here, this is called a spoon. It's a, it's a fishing bait and, and it kind of, it typically will go very deep and, and it'll get the fish that are kind of on the bottom. And you gotta be real strategic when you're dealing with the fish. Now, even though this is called a spoon, don't ever, uh, try to eat with it because it's got a hook in it, which you and me have to have a hook. We've gotta have the, the hook of the gospel of Jesus. So it's, it's not that we're, we're committed to this bait. We're committed to the hook. We're committed to catching the fish. 
Another fish, they might not spend as much time on the bottom. They might spend time kind of halfway. And this right here is called a, a spinner bait. And, and what this does, it kind of spins through the water like this. Man, I, I would bite that if I was in the water. Look at that thing. But anyway, it just, it just goes through the water like this. And the fish, that are, they're not really deep and they're not really shallow. They're just, they're just going and, and, and it looks completely different, but it's got the same hook. The purpose is still there. You're not just throwing it out there just to feed the fish. You're throwing it out there to catch the fish. Now, this is one of my favorites. This is called a Zara Spook. And it's crazy. It's got all kind of hooks on it. It stays on the top of the water. So how you fish with this is you, you, you throw it out there and you just do, 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 do. Just jerk it like that. Do, 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 do. And fish, they, they see it from beneath and they come out and wham! And, and it looks way different than any of these other baits. But at the same time, it still has the same purpose. Catch fish. And these hooks will get you here. Just kidding. Has the same purpose. Other fish, they don't like, they don't like uh, uh, that kind of stuff. They don't want to eat plastic. So they want to eat something a little different. Does anybody know what's in the box? This is called a night crawler or a worm. And they are awesome. My kids love them. So they, <laughs> so they get in the water and they wiggle around and the fish eat them. But, 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 they're, but they're not any good by themselves. So you need a hook for the worm. So what you do is you take the hook and then you put it. Just kidding. I'm not going to hook the worm. But fish are different. You don't fish for every fish the same way. By the way, no worms were injured except, whoops, except for that one. Just kidding. No worms were injured in the making of this sermon or the production thereof. Fish are different. Completely different. You don't fish for them all the same. But we all have a hook. And we're committed to catching them. But it requires strategy. If you've gone 10 years without catching a person, commit that you will catch one in the next 10 years. Commit to catch one before Christmas. Commit to catch one before Thanksgiving. And if you're not being effective... Change tactics. Don't change the story. Don't change the hook. But change tactics. I remember one time, the first time I went offshore fishing, I was fishing with my friend Kevin and my other friend Kevin. How about that? Forgot about that. So Kevin and Kevin, we were fishing, and we had this guide that took us 50 miles out in the Gulf of Mexico, and we went and we got, uh, uh, we were tied up to this oil rig. And what you would do is you would get on this oil rig, and then at that point... You would fish off the oil rig and all these fish and, and sharks and stuff were there. And we were way out in the middle of nowhere and we were catching all these sharks and the water's blue and beautiful and everything. But the problem was is all we had to drink was Cokes and Dr. Peppers and stuff. And, and by about 2 o'clock in the afternoon in the bald sun, man, we were all just getting dehydrated. And I was trying to, to, to drink enough Cokes or whatever, but I don't know if you've ever really been thirsty and tried to drink a Coke. It's not that optimum, okay? So I was trying to, I was like, man, finally I'm like, bro, I, 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 listen, I'm, I'm going to die on this boat. I've got to get in the water and cool off. And the guy's like, no problem, man, go for it. And Kevin and Kevin, they're like, 
bro, we just caught some sharks, man. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, what are the odds of getting bit by a shark? Like getting struck by lightning twice on the same day? I mean, I'm not going to get eaten by a shark. Come on, guys, give me a break. So I'm, I'm fixing to get in the water, and the guide says, I've actually got a snorkel and a mask if you want to kind of swim around the, the oil rig, and, and you'll see some fish. I'm like, bro, do I? Give me a knife. I'll come up with two more, you know? So I get in the water, and, and, and when I put my foot in the water, I experience something that maybe some of you are familiar with. It's called overwhelming fear. <laughs> because it was like everything that I had just said, I realized I'm fixing to get in the water where we just caught a bunch of sharks. And some of the sharks were like this, but some of them were, I mean, they were leg takers, you know what I'm saying? They, they may not have been killers, but they were big. But, but, but by that time, I'd written a check with my mouth, and I had to cash it. So I, I get down in the water, and I'm like, okay. And I get in, and I'm kind of right by the boat, because sharks can't bite you when you're by the boat. That's what I was thinking. And I put the thing on, and I start to swim around, and the whole time I'm just thinking, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. And, and it's getting pretty intense, I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm like, man, this water's hotter than it is outside. The Gulf of Mexico is not that cold, by the way, in the middle of summer. So I'm sitting there, and I'm swimming around, and, and all of a sudden, I saw just these, these little droplets start to fall all around me like rain. And they were leaving like a little trail, and I was kind of, I was confused, what? What's going on? Is it, is it raining? It was clear sky last time I looked up two seconds ago. I'm just swimming along. And all of a sudden, have you all ever seen Jaws? About 8,000 fish. And by the way, every fish in the ocean has teeth. 8,000 fish start swarming all around me. And I just see these mouths coming up like this. And I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And, and I pulled a Peter and I walked on water and I jumped in the boat. And, and, and honest to God, Kevin, Kevin and the guide, this is the truth. They were laying on the bottom of the boat laughing hysterically. And I'm fixing to tell them the story about these fish that I saw, but I didn't realize they knew the story. I said, oh my gosh, man. And, and I, I look, and their hands are covered in blood and fish. They had cut up a bunch of bait and were throwing it all around me. I am so glad that y'all think that it's funny that I almost got eaten by jaws. What I'm saying is, is you've got to be strategic when you fish. Point number two. Everybody say number two. Fishing, say it again, number two. Fishing is better with a team. There's these guys and they catch tuna in the Pacific Ocean. The way they do it is they got a plane that goes out and scouts and looks for these huge tuna schools. And then they've got these several boats that have nets and they pull these, these nets around and they make a big loop and they tie the net up and they pull it together. But the only way that it works is the, the plane has to tell the guys where the fish are and then the other two boats all have to work in unison and then they've actually got guys that jump in the water, swim down and stitch the net together. They are crazy. Stitch the net together. Tuna Wranglers, it's on the Discovery Channel. It's great. If you've got TiVo, find it. It's amazing. But it's better as a team. So can I just say this? Let the church be the church. Every week I get people come up to me and say things like this. I could not believe how nice the people were at church. The people that greeted me at the door were so kind. And I'm just thinking, 
Was it our church? No, I'm just kidding. They were so kind. They were so sincere. Everybody smiled. I sensed the presence of God. I could tell that the people who were worshiping were serious about what they were singing about. When you preached, I didn't like your tie. But I could tell you were serious about what you spoke about. Fishing is better with a team. Just last week, we've been talking about uh, fishing now. And last week, during the second service, I was, I was telling a story. And I was talking about a lady that Crystal and I had pinpointed strategically that we were going to get saved. And we had worked for 18 months to try to get her to come to the house of God. And here's how we did it. Invest, 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 invite, repeat. Invest, 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 invite, repeat. 90% of all salvations in America today take place in a local church. So we've been working on this lady for 18 months and I'm in the middle of telling the story and I'm like, there's a lady that Crystal and I have been working on and I look and in this region right there, I look and there she is. And I'm like, well, I'll change the story real quick. So I made the story real vague. And I started watching her while I was preaching. And the entire time I was talking, tears were running down her face like a river. After church, after she'd given her heart to God, she came up to me. She's, she's probably, I don't want to guess her age, so I'll be polite, but she's not young, okay? She's not 20, put it that way. In the most unweird way possible, she would not quit hugging me. My wife saw her this week. We gave her a note thanking her for coming, telling her how much it blessed us that she would honor us and be in the house of God with us. She said, my life is so different now. I feel so different. The people there were so nice. Let the church be the church. Number three, fishing requires determination. I used to live by Lake Conroe, and a friend of mine's a tournament bass fisher, and he was fishing next to the boat ramp one day, and bass at a certain time of year, they will make a nest where they lay their eggs, and then the big mama bass will just sit on the nest. Not like a chair, you know, just kind of hover above it, I guess. But it'll sit there, and it's not eating, it's guarding its eggs. So I was sitting there watching my friend, and he was just going like this. Same spot, over and over. I said, hey, man, what's up? He doesn't even look at me. He said, hey, man. He's in his boat. I'm standing on the bank. I said, you see a fish? He goes, yeah. What are you going to do? I'm going to catch it. I said, how about that? He said, yep. He said, that's a $5,000 fish right there. He was in a tournament. Fish was about eight pounds. He was going to win the tournament if he caught that fish. Boom, steady, steady. Steady. See, at that time, they're not, they're not biting because they're hungry. They're biting to protect. So what you do is you take something that looks like something that would eat their eggs, like a lizard or something like that, and you take a plastic lizard and you put it and you drop it on their nest and the mama bass will literally pick it up and move it out of the way and that fisherman's just sitting there, wham, wham, wham. And for 20 minutes, I watched him do this. He never looks up. He never looks at me. He never does anything. He just boom, 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 boom. And I'm losing interest. 
I'm like, brother, just, just leave it, you know? I mean, come on. 20 minutes. And all of a sudden, bam, 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 wham, boom, 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 boom. He's got it in his hand. He goes, $5,000 fish, puts it in the live well, and boom, opens that boat up and flies out of there. Fishing requires determination, perseverance. Because in the moment when you least expect it, they might say yes. One of my good friends when I was in Houston, his name is Frank. He's about my height, but he's 250 pounds and he's about six foot wide. He bench presses 500 pounds. He has scars all over his face. His hobby is cage fighting. And not like sanctioned cage fighting. Like like people put money on a table and then you go fight somebody and then you go get the pile of money if you win. If you don't win, you go to the hospital. Crazy. He's the kind of guy you want on your team. And not the opposite. Tattoos, you know, just intimidating. Nicest guy I ever met. Smoked two packs of Marlboro Reds a day. Like a chimney. I remember one time at our office, we, we, had, we, had, we were in the same office building, and, 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 and we, we would go in there, and, and we always peeled out when we left. I don't know if y'all know about that. But I had a Dodge with a Hemi, and I liked it. And I had an awesome exhaust on it. I'd done a little work on that motor. And so I had to buy new tires about every six months. And, and Chris would be like, how come you need new tires again? I'm like, I don't know. This is weird. Whoa! I remember one time he bought a Mustang. A little 5.0. Anybody know what a 5.0 Mustang is? And he, he called me. He goes, hey man, go outside. <laughs> Sorry, I'm seeing this happen. So I go outside and he comes around the corner sideways in that car. And he stops, and he's got that cigarette dangling out the side of his mouth like James Dean. And he's like, I said, bro, because the windows were down. I said, did you stop a block away and put a cigarette in your mouth so it would look like that when you came around the corner? And he goes, he goes, you know it. <laughs> he was just, a, just, when I say rough, I mean, the guy was a cob. I mean, Nicest guy you ever met, he'd do anything for you, but just rough. And every Friday, I said, brother, I said, man, sure enjoyed work this week. Why, 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 don't, why don't you come to church with me? Bring your family. Oh, man, Sunday's the only day we really get to relax. And, uh, you know, just, I said, okay, okay, okay. I like to sleep in. We, you know, it's our family day. Like, what about the one who made you? I didn't say that. That's what I was thinking. I said, well, why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you come to church with me, you know? And he says, uh, he said, no, I don't know. Then one day after maybe a year of asking him, we're sitting there having a, a Chipotle burrito. Do y'all like Chipotle? We're having a Chipotle burrito. And I'm sitting there, and I say, hey, man, it's Friday, you know, whatever. I said, why don't you come to church from this Sunday? He goes, all right. And I freak out. I'm like, I'm like, what, bro? He's like, yeah, I'll bring the family. I'll bring the girls. He had two daughters and his wife. Lived an hour and a half from the church. I called the, 
the, the, the parking team at the church. And I said, you better let him park wherever he wants. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. But he showed up for church. And by the time service was over, down to the six-year-old little girl, they were all weeping because the presence of God was changing their family. They didn't join our church because it was an hour and a half one way. They joined the church down by their house, began to live for God. Fishing requires perseverance. I, I was, it, was, it was almost callous for me to ask him. I was, just, I was just, that's the fish I want. All day, every, that's the fish I want. Crystal and I have done crazy stuff to win people. Crazy. Remember sometimes we sit around and we say, who are we working on? Because we're serious about catching people. Because Jesus is. Fishing requires focus. I remember fishing as a kid and there was a pond by the house and I would ride a, the four-wheeler. We had an old 69 Ford truck. And I would drive it down to that pond. at three on the tree. You know what I'm talking about? Column shifting. We would drive down there and I'd be fishing and I had our dog Shadow which would follow me everywhere and I'd be fishing and Dad would, would, would drive in from work and say, all right, now you need, you need to come on home. I said, Dad, Dad, one more cast. And that cast would turn into one more cast. That cast would turn into one more cast. Focus. Fishing requires focus. Catching people requires focus. You can work on your box all day long. You can work on your box till you're blue in the face. You can work on your box 365, 24-7. You can work on your box, but the box stays here. Jesus said, catch people. People. If you want to know what Jesus is thinking about right now, it's people. When Jesus was on the cross, in the moment where if it was me, I would have called down fire from heaven. I would have wiped out anybody who had lifted a hand towards me and my friends. Instead of saying anything remotely like that, he said, Father, forgive them. He loves people. He's interested in people. When we go to heaven, I, I kind of have this, 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 this idea in my mind, and I, I hope it plays out this way, it, it, where, where maybe, maybe one day, you know, I'm in heaven and there's really no night there, so I don't know if there's multiple days or not, but, but, but I'm in heaven, and, and in here I walk into Starbucks on Glory Avenue. And I get me a dopio espresso with one scoop of foam. Just how I like it. And I'm sitting there, I'm having my, my Starbucks, and, and maybe, maybe Samson walks in. You know, the door's right here, and he's like, because he's so big. Maybe Moses walks in, and he's got this stick, and he carries it around, and he, and he sets it over at my table. He goes, can I sit with you? I'm like, yeah. How about my buddy Samson? Bring him on. Then King David walks in. Like, whoa, what do y'all drink? And they all say, a dopio espresso with one scoop of foam. Because it's the best drink ever. 
you don't like strong coffee, don't order that. Stick to the fraps. But maybe we're sitting at a table, I don't know. Samson, Moses, David. Samson starts telling the story. I said, Samson, tell me, tell me about when you got those guys with that jawbone. He goes, man, people don't know about a jawbone. It's got this hook in it, and you could, man, you can really swing that thing. And they were trying to do this, and I was blocking it. And, and man, God was with me. And I'm telling you, I'll wipe out, I, I'll wipe them off the map. I'm the baddest jack there ever was. You don't want to mess with me when I shake. Moses, tell me. Did, when you parted the Red Sea, did God's hands come down and, and go like this? Was there a mighty wind? Did a bunch of angels come and some pushed the water this way and some pushed the water that way? How did you know uh, that, that, that God was going to deliver you that way? Tell me, how, tell me about it. When you went to talk to Pharaoh about letting the Israelites go, did you really sing it to him and go, Pharaoh, Pharaoh? Oh, baby, let my people go, huh? Did you really do it that way, Moses? Now tell me the story. Tell me about, tell me about the water getting turned to blood. Tell me, tell me about how he delivered with the lamb. Did you put it just on this doorpost or, or you know, it was both doors and on top? Well, how did you know what? Tell me about it. David. I get it. I got a pretty good picture of Goliath. I got a pretty good picture of the sling and the stone. But, but, but how did you kill the lion and how did you kill the bear? When, 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 when Samuel met you in the pasture with your daddy and said you were going to be the next king of Israel, did you already know or was it news to you? These are some of the things that I would want to hear from these guys. And so maybe they would all tell their story. Samson, man, I did this. Moses, the water went like this. David, well, I was just, you know, God was good to me. And then maybe they'd get done and they would say, well, uh, Pastor Brian Hallam, what did you do? Samson might say, how many people did you get? How many people did you, did you use a donkey's jawbone? Moses might say, so where's the rod that you carried? Did it turn to a snake when you threw it down? David might say, So were you the king of America? For a moment, I might be tongue-tied, because those stories are amazing. For an instant, I might lose my train of thought. But then maybe... Billy would walk in, and I would see him. I'd say, Sam, Mo, Dave, hold that thought. Billy, get over here. Hey, Billy, good to see you. So glad it's here. Yeah, Johnny Football really did it, and we got him to heaven. Can I introduce you to some people? Yeah. Sammy. Moses. David. My friends. This is Billy. No, I never used the donkey's jawbone, even though my little boy finds every dead animal bone on our property. I never threw a stick and saw it turn to a snake, and I never hit a giant with a rock. But Billy's here because I told him about an old rugged cross. 
Billy's here because I invited him to a place we call church and he accepted Christ. And oh, by the way, not just Billy, but you see all those little kids and all that family over there, that's Billy's family and they're all here because I invited them to church. Maybe Susie would walk in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Susie over there too. I told her to come too. I just told her it was a good concert and it was just a sneak attack. I hope it's said of me when I get to heaven sitting at the Glory Avenue Starbucks that people there are there because I went fishing. For two weeks we've been talking about fishing. I'm going to make a promise to you. You bring your friends to this church and we will do our best to love them, to care for them, and to expose them to the opportunity of believing on Jesus. And when you get to heaven, you won't have to talk about jawbones, but you'll have an opportunity to talk about the fish, the people that you caught. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet if you would, please.